This Week in Startups is brought to you by Breather, workspaces and offices designed for growing companies. Breather offers spaces you can call your own for hours, days, or months at a time. Visit breather.com slash twist and experience Breather for yourself with a free full day booking. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Twist listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash twist. And PayPal. When it comes to growing your business, PayPal is your payments partner for today and tomorrow. Visit PayPal.com slash growth to sign up for free and set up a business account today. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of This Week in Startups. I'm your host, Jason Calacanis, and today I have a great guest, Georgine Huang. Uh, Huang. Huang. That's right. Wong. And she is the CEO and co-founder of Fairy God Boss. And her story starts uh, being fired when she was two months pregnant and then having to look for a job and having a non-optimal time. And you created Fairy God Boss almost uh, as a reaction to that. Am I correct? Yeah, that's That's the origin story. It is the origin story. I mean, when you're two months pregnant, you know you're pregnant, but almost nobody else knows you're pregnant. Right. Because you're not really showing. And it wasn't my first kid. So I'd been through this. I knew I was going to go back to work. But that was my aha moment. I'm a woman. There's nothing Mm. I can do about it. I'm biologically going to have this child. And that's going to be a different experience than a man has. And I happened to be job seeking at the time. Ah. Um, And tell everybody what the challenge was there. What did you find as a pregnant woman, in what time period was this? Because times have changed radically, I think. Yes, you're right, three and a half years ago. Ah, this is pre-Me Too. Yes, Um, pre-Hillary Clinton running for president. Pre-Hillary Clinton running for president. But I think people were under perhaps a false impression at that time that things were much better than they actually were. Did you feel a lot of bias as a pregnant woman uh, interviewing? Actually, no, because I didn't tell anybody. Ah. So that was a little bit of my conundrum. I felt like I should be able to talk about it. Right. But there was just no way I was going to go into my personal life in an interview. I grew up in law and finance, and I'm an older millennial, and I still yeah. sort of just am conservative about my personal life, so I don't like sure. to talk about it at work. And so when I went on these interviews, there were certain questions I had, like, what was this company's maternity leave policy? Ah. I didn't want to ask, and most companies don't publish that. I wanted to find out how many women were in management positions because I was a senior executive at the time and I wanted to make sure there were people in the room that looked kind of like me. Right. I believed that I could succeed there at that level. Hmm. And I also wanted to find out about FaceTime versus flexibility because, uh. you know, I did have a young kid at home already and I knew if I needed to leave at six, I would log back right on as soon as he was asleep. But I didn't want to have to explain that, worry about not getting promoted because I walked out the door or hmm. get the stink eye. Yeah, and you're working in finance and legal, two areas that are known for long hours. Yeah, I mean, I tech think. too. Tech too, yeah. Um, but those two areas, finance, yeah, really long hours, at least from my perception of it. Yeah, I mean, Law I th- too, like law's known for that, right? Yeah, like yeah. destroy the attorneys with ridiculously long hours. The expression I heard in New York was like, uh, when you're a lawyer, the weekends are for seeing your kids, right? Like, that, don't, don't expect to see your kids during the week. That's what the weekends are for. Yeah, and I wasn't a lawyer for that long, but one of the reasons I stopped being a lawyer was that I think when I was 24 years old, Friday night, the 45-year-old partners on my floor were still there, midnight. Bonkers. And, you know, I didn't feel that the work that we were doing really needed to be done at the office at that time. I mean, the right. internet didn't exist in 2004. right. Yeah, you didn't need to be editing documents. Yeah, an SEC filing at midnight. Yeah, and and they're kind of road, right? Like you've, you're doing the 78th version of this in your of the year. It's right. not and like... And listen, it's important to get it right. I'm not saying anything. You're paid well to get it right, but, you know, do you have to do it on specific terms? Unclear sometimes. The United States has had abysmal maternity slash paternity leave. It's still pretty abysmal when compared to Europe, right? Yes. So I actually had my first kid in the UK, but I was working for an American company. And anyway, 
there are very different policies abroad, and it depends on the country you're in. And different states in the United States have different policies as well. It's not just about leave and time off, but whether you're paid for it hmm. or paid during it at all, and whether your job's protected so that when you come back, you still have it. Your job is protected. Let's walk through what it, the, the law is. You, your job is protected when you come back, but so, and you have a couple of weeks off. No, it's actually incredibly complicated. So yeah. if you work for an employer of a minimum size. 50 I, is the number? I, I think it's 50. Yeah. Or, you know, if you have two offices, it's 75 within a certain mile radius of each other, these yeah. two offices. then And you've worked there for, I believe, at least one year or some certain number of hours per year in the prior year, then you get three, 12 weeks off unpaid. Right. Whether you're a man, a woman, whether it's to caretake for a new child or for a sick family member. Right. And in Denmark and Sweden, it's you get a year off paid, I think, by the government. Something like that. For yes. men and women. And they're super happy over there. Yeah. They have and they crazy even, taxes, but. They don't even have daycares that accept children under eight months old in Sweden. Wow. They're like, that's your job. Do not right. bring us your baby. Right. That's fascinating. That's interesting. Um, and so how are the big tech companies, since it's a tech show, doing on that scorecard now? So you're ranking the best companies for women. One factor is obviously maternity. I would guess uh, women in senior positions, you kind of alluded to that being an important factor. What are the other important factors now that you have the website and people are going there? What are the important factors women need to know or women want to know when selecting a job outside of maternity, obvious, uh, and senior ranking women right. in the company. Those well, we two straight seem- up ask, do you think as a woman you're treated equally to men at your company? And we collect data, so not just words and opinions, unstructured oh. content. I'm very, very deliberate about it being a data-oriented platform. So we ask questions like, do you think you're treated equally to men on the uh, basis of pay, on the basis of promotion, on the mm. basis of hiring, and in terms of evaluations and your reviews? Mm. And so we see correlations between whether women think that they're treated equally to men and whether they would recommend the company to other women, for example. Ah. So it's kind of like your NPS question. That's right. You know, like you've come up with the standard question. Do you think you're treated equally? Mm-hmm. And how do our companies here in the Valley wind up on the score? Actually, I mean, you can look at the top rated list on our, on our site. It's nothing editorial at all. It's all just female employee based. Right. And some of the top companies are not the ones with the most generous and lavish policies when it comes to maternity leave. Huh. And I think that's because there's just a basic sense of fairness and co- in the culture that's a mm. little bit intangible. You can't measure that by money spent on a program. Like you can't just have a terrible culture and then 20 paid weeks of right. leave and suddenly all the women love working there. That makes total sense to me. So you'll appreciate the 20 weeks yeah. of paid leave. Thank you. But I would also like to be paid the same as my male counterpart and I would like to have the same opportunity. Right. And yeah. I just like would want to... I like the culture there. I think it's fair, yeah. et cetera. So here we go. Uh, Fairy Godboss, uh, best companies for women. And you have the score here. Uh, Ultimate Software, ZS, ADP, Hilton, Boston Consulting Group, Facebook at number 13, IBM at 15, Dell at 17. Keep scrolling down. Um, I guess it's early days for you. Is it, Do you have a, enough of a data set now to feel like these are representative of reality or is it just early? Because I don't see... Uh, Google here, and which I'm either wondering Google's a terrible place for women, or... You can pull up Google. Google used to be on the list, and then yeah. they were sort of kicked off by people who had better reviews. It's not yeah. t- a terrible... I mean, it is early days yeah. to... We, what we should really do at some point is weight these based on employee size of the company ah, itself. Right. Um, but some companies are really impressive here that you would not necessarily think of, like Hilton. Or ADP. I, Right. Like the alarm company? No, oh, no the that's payment, a payroll, the, the payroll, payroll processing ADT. company. Ah, right. oh, yeah, that's interesting. So, you know, so Hilton, Hilton is great. Hilton has 43 reviews. I think ADP has a much higher number of reviews in the, yeah. in the hundreds. So it, we need to weight these sort of by employee size. Right. But these are just, you know, it is what it is. We disclose a methodology. You have to go and read the reviews to get a sense of place. Are companies now 
asking their employees to go do ratings like Glassdoor kind of has this anonymous rating system where, you know, if you fire somebody or somebody's laid off, they're really super motivated to write a review. If they're totally happy with their job, nobody's that like, where can I write like a really super happy, I'm happy with my job. They're, they don't do it, right? Right. So how do you manage that revenge review issue that Yelp also has too, which is like, I had to wait 10 minutes for my review. So and are yours anonymous? Yes, all the reviews are anonymous. I would say that the perception of reviews is sort of what you just said, that you either get really unhappy people or really happy people. But the mm. truth is, if you think about your Yelp experience, for example, how many times have you noticed the restaurant ratings converging to a four? Three and a half, I think, is actually. Three and a half, four. Yeah. So our average yeah. rating on the site is probably three and a half. Right. And so with enough data, that just happens. And so right. it's not actually true that mm. the ratings end up being dominated by people who are ones or fives. It actually does look more like a normal distribution after you have thousands, tens of thousands of reviews. Yeah. All right. When we get back, you've done a survey. 900 people participated from your site about sexual harassment in the workplace. We're going to get into that and look at some of those statistics as well on This Week in Startup. Stick with us. You all know that I always say, do the work. It's on the cup right here. Do the work. I talk about it in my book. I always tell people, just do the work. Well, where are you going to do the work? A lot of you are using, like me, Breather Spaces. We use it for our incubator and our accelerator. And Breather Spaces are amazing if you need something for a day or two or an hour or two. What you may not know is that Breather now has Breather offices where you can book for a week or a month or even years. And not just for two people or 10 people, you could have 50 people or more. And you don't wanna waste your resources on unused space. That's why you wanna partner with Breather and Breather Offices. No noisy co-working nonsense. You get your Wi-Fi, you get your cleaning, it's all furnished and they will do a design consultation with you for your Breather Office space so that you get the culture you want, not some culture you're inheriting from some co-working space. And if you take a breather office for a month or more, you're going to receive free same-day access to a network of 500-plus workspaces across the U.S., Canada, and London, which is perfect for off-sites and last-minute meetings. Wait a second. If you take a breather office for a month or more, you're going to receive free same-day access to that network? What a great idea. So... It's ideal for growing companies. Their mission is to empower companies with space that helps them meet their full potential with none of the restrictions that hold you back at other spaces. Skip the hassle of long-term leases, which can be death, and you don't want to get into the long-term negotiation process of landing a space. No, if you're going to have long negotiations, have it be with your customers, not office space and realtors. You can scale up or down, no muss, no fuss, as your headcount changes, no drama. And I, we used it just yesterday, in fact, and we love using Breather. So I want you to visit breather.com slash twist and experience Breather for yourself with a free full day booking. What? Wait a second. Breather is giving my listeners a free full day booking? That's again, very generous. These partners we have here are super generous with y'all. I want you to do this right now. Go to breather.com slash twist and experience a breather for yourself with a free full day booking, huh? Pretty good. Okay, let's get back to this great episode. Welcome back to This Week in Startups. We're talking about women in the workplace today with Georgine Huang uh, from fairygodboss.com. You started the company uh, about three years ago. That's Raised right. $3 million, $4 million? $4 million. Congratulations on that. Uh, previously, uh, an attorney was fired and then got nowhere finding newer, new finding information about work fo- workplace uh, fairness for women. Probably a good way to say it? Yeah, workplace fairness. Workplace fairness. How Over, companies treat women. How companies, has it gotten better? You're a millennial, so you've been in the workforce for 20 years, 15 years. Do you feel That's like right. it's getting better? Uh, or this reckoning that we've had with Me Too and p- equal pay and women creating spreadsheets of equal pay at Google and finding all these discrepancies. Do you feel it's getting better, faster? And there's like the velocity of the world getting more fair is happening? Look, the World Economic Forum, I think, just put out some statistic that's horrifying that it's yeah. going to take 217 years to get to gender parity. 
And that's on a number of measures, health, economics, et cetera. On a global um, basis. Yeah. And look, th- yeah. those are that's like an impossible number to really fathom overall, because that yeah. means that my daughter's certainly never going to see equity in her yeah, lifetime. Yeah, we're six generations or, away. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But I think in, I'm fundamentally an optimist. I think on, as an entrepreneur, you kind of just are. Yeah. And I also am really closely in touch now with a lot of companies who are trying to do more and to Mm. do better. And a lot of individual women who are also seeing it as part of their responsibility to do something to help accelerate this change. So I I think it's happening. We did see that at Google with the walkout last week. That was tremendous and drove massive change. And I think five years ago, if you step back and think about that moment, Really? Thousands of women walking out over sexual harassment policies? Everybody walked out. I mean, yeah. it was men, too. It was yes, everybody. exactly. Yeah, I mean, it was across the board. Um, let's talk about pay for mm-hmm. a second. Should people get paid the same amount, putting aside gender for a second? Obviously, people doing the same work, same experience, same, should get paid the same, independent of gender. But should people doing the same job get paid the same rate in other words, if you had 10 years and you were doing those documents as attorney, but somebody had five years or 15, should there be differences in pay based upon experience if you're doing the same job? I know it's kind of the third rail, but I was researching this and I was like looking at the law and also what the best practices. There seems to be two camps. One that no matter what the job is, everybody gets paid the same if it's the same work. And then there was another group that was like, hey, that's unfair. If somebody's got 10 years doing legal documents and you gave them a raise or they've been loyal to the company, they've been with the company longer, they should get merit raises for staying with the company. Their compensation should be different. Where do you sit on that issue? So I only practice law for six months, so I don't <laughs> want to weigh in on the legal. Yeah, um, put the legal aside. I, I'm putting the legal aside, yeah. I think that the most progressive companies on this issue pay people on the basis of their role and responsibilities and contribution to the company, not based on where they came from, their salary history, and that includes their years of experience. So uh, that's what a group, what do you think? Where do you fall on that? I'm curious. So I think that that tends to be right, because Mm. if it took you 15 years to get to the same contribution level as someone and it took that other person two years, aren't you really penalizing the person who only has two? I mean, are you penalizing the person for being slower to get to the same place? Um, Maybe, I mean, I, yeah. I guess I, I think that the easiest way to address this is just what is your contribution level? And if it's equal to somebody else's, then you should give them the same title. Right. And you should pay them the same. And you otherwise can't very easily do a compensation audit of the kind, for example, that Salesforce has done. Hmm. or SAP has done. Yeah, this seems to be the most troubling one. I, and I don't know where I sit on it because hmm. I was thinking about it and I was like, well, if I was a young person and I only had two years experience and I came into a position, I would be like, well, I'm doing the same work. I'm editing this. Let's say we're editing videos. Well, I'm editing videos. You're editing videos. We both edit three videos a day. We should get paid the same. And then I was like, well, wait a second. What if the other person has four Emmys or has done it for 10 years, but they're still doing three videos a day, but one of them has 15 years experience. Well, obviously the person with 15 years experience, their videos might be better. They they might have better experience. So it's very hard for me to Well, it's all about definitions here yeah. because you could say that the guy with the Emmys or the girl with the Emmys yeah. should have a different title. And even it's Maybe. not about just literally how many videos you edit, but the quality, right? So then you call them a senior video editor. Yeah. I don't know what video editing yeah. titles then are. Then what about like loyalty to the company? So the person with the company and you give the person at 10 years, you know, 2% merit raises every year for being loyal to the company. What do you think about that argument? I think that's probably why compensation consultants get paid so much money. <laughs> this is really a hard issue. Right. Um, I don't envy the people who have to do it because I think it costs quite a lot of money to gather all the right data. And mm. then I like sure. to go right to the third rail. Cause yeah, I, I, mean, I think some hard. of these issues are so obvious that I can't believe that a company like Google has pay disparities between men and women in the same positions. Well, they claim they don't. They don't now they claim they did. I think they did it, you know. I know there was this lawsuit, but I yeah. don't know where it ended up. Yeah. What do you think about this issue? Let's just keep going to the third row. Yeah. Um, uh, the former CEO of Reddit, uh, who was involved in the big case with Quanter Perkins. Ellen Powell. Ellen Powell. Thank you. Um, said women are not good negotiators. 
Therefore, all salaries should be set and non-negotiable. So we have this developer position. It's $110,000. We don't negotiate. So if somebody comes in and says, well, I made 127 at the last job, and I want to not – I'll take a $5,000 cut. But do you think women are inherently worse at negotiation and negotiation should not be allowed and it should be a set pay rate? So I generalize about women all the time, but yeah. I hate having to generalize about women because the whole yeah, problem yeah. with generalizations, it, it just fundamentally disregards any individual's ability, powers, and, and that's how we get biased in the first place, right? But oh, everyone's that's an interesting all, but everyone's yeah. always asking me, okay, so what are women, what are they good at? What do they yes. want? And of course, we have some data that shows some of this. And I think the research does support her claim that women yeah. tend to be less good at self-promotion and therefore negotiation. And there's also this penalty of needing to look likable. And if you're a woman that negotiates, how likable are you? Oh, right. And so yeah. you have to negotiate differently than a man. So it's very complicated this topic of how and whether women can negotiate as well as men. Yeah, super complicated. I I was thinking I sh- she it sounds like she's right and then I was immediately feeling guilty like wait a second. Am I supposed to agree with Ellen Powell because she's super woke and you know she had this terrible experience at Kleiner or is that such an overgeneralization that's insulting to women to say that they can't negotiate or is it actually based on some truth which then let's go to the next third rail. The James Damore. Yes. Um, memo. Memo. What's your hot take on that? What are your thoughts on that? Do gender, do, the science clearly says that gender and other issues lead people to different career paths. That doesn't seem illogical. And all the scientists who read the memo said, like, yeah, th- those are actual references to science, sure, like, correct. Uh, what was your take on that moment, I guess? So again, this goes back to generalizations. It's one thing to do. There was a very large-scale study actually just reported in The Guardian about women being less analytical than men and women being more... This is a stereotype and trope, right? Emotionally yeah. intelligent women. I mean, it could also be based on science, too. I mean, it could be based yeah. on science. It could be based on lots of things, but it doesn't matter because when you're dealing with an individual employee or individual woman, you can't yeah. go into a conversation about her compensation or what job or promotion she's going to have. Based on w- science. Yeah. Right, because... Statistically, as a woman, you'd be more she's inclined. She's a one person as yeah. opposed to all women. Yeah. I think that's the point that I found that memo so clueless. I mean, almost Aspergery. Like when I saw him speak, because he's become he's kind of become this like co-opted right wing, like I don't know these incel guys, like this, like this Reddit weird subreddit kind of right. culture. And it's like, what a stupid approach to talking about the issue to send a company wide memo of something so obvious that like. Yes, there are physiological differences between men and women and that those things may lead to different career choices. It's like so obvious that the bigger issue is well, everybody, nobody should be penalized for that. Everybody should just have the same opportunity and get paid the same. So what is the point of even bringing this up? I mean, I don't find myself often in a position, I'm not defending him, but I think yeah. he was just trying to express himself and he yeah. was feeling that the company didn't allow free expression and so he decided to put a big statement out there yeah it's almost like a troll like it was almost like a troll move but i don't think he's so aspergery like when i watched him talk that i don't think he even was aware of like the social context yeah i think that's right like i, mean, I don't know whether he's aspergers or not but obviously it wasn't very culturally sensitive yeah all right let's go to this harassment survey you did because it's just horrific to be candid um have you ever been sexually harassed at work oh my lord 37% of people in 2018, 2017, 41% of people. So you've been doing this for two years. Mm-hmm. It's gone down. That's good, but the number is absurd. Yeah, one in every three women, right? Or a little more. Ugh, it's so bonkers. And this is, this is in the years after the Me Too movement that women in 2018 are still being harassed at work. Yeah, I I mean, this data is not that inconsistent with other surveys that are out there on this topic. All right, let's take a look at the next slide. It's happening a lot. Who is doing it? One out of three times, it's the direct boss. Or 25% other people in management. 
56 percent of the time it's a colleague so that's what you would expect is that people fraternizing or dating at work right flirting a, things yeah. crossing a line without you maybe realizing or intending to or it being unclear yeah that to me seems like okay people are trying to adjust to a generational difference where people you're a, you're a millennial I'm, you were I'm like borderline 78 80s. 80s I was born 80s. in the 80s okay I was born in 70 when we went to work they were like that's where you find your spouse like there was almost really yeah I think you went to it was likely that you would you know I think boomers especially were anticipating finding a mate or a spouse at work that was the culture in the 80s but you were went to work in the 90s when it probably shifted Actually, in the 2000s. In the 2000s, yeah. In yeah. the 80s, you were expected to find your spouse at work or your, you would date at work. It was kind of, so the colleague thing to me seems like, I think even Facebook allows, the Facebook rule, I don't know if you heard this, was you can ask somebody on a date at Facebook one time. I don't think you can stop people from dating at work. And I don't think that's sexual harassment to date at work or right. date it's, a colleague. And it's not legal. It's not legal to tell people they can't date at work. Yeah. yeah. That's so crazy. That... 56% could be just clueless people asking people out on a date a third time and making them feel, feel uncomfortable, uncomfortable at work. Right. But how on earth does a direct boss in 2018 harass a subordinate? This is in mind blowing to me. Yeah. I mean, this has been 20 years of sexual harassment training. Don't date a subordinate if yeah. you're a manager. How on earth does this still happen? I mean, if you look at what kinds of actions constitute sexual harassment in the survey, oh. it may be somewhere later. A oh. lot of it is sort of verbal, right? If you, sexual harassment is defined as creating an environment where someone's gender is um, the basis of it. Like, you can't make them feel uncomfortable because of their gender. So if you're talking about mm. prostitutes around or going to strip ah. clubs around yeah. your female subordinate. Seven, yeah then that constitutes technically, if you keep doing it in a way that makes this a Got hostile it. workplace, that's ah, part okay. of the definition. So, I mean, that's very legal, what I've just described. Sure. But you could imagine how, forget the, le the legality of it, your boss keeps talking about women's bodies around you. Yeah. It's not even about you. Yeah. Or men's you, bodies. Or now men's we're bodies. Having yes, the, you can have men. We've been having the, the opposite now, too. Totally. Yeah. Men yeah. can be this uh, I mean, subject just, of sexual harassment. On a very to minimus, probably low single digit basis overall. I think they're generally not on the receiving end of this. Well, I think we probably still have more heterosexual people in society. Yeah. So it's just. Yeah. Um, but verbal seems to be the top category here. So people are talking about things. Some people have not gotten the memo that don't talk about sex at work. Right. Just like people used to put like Playboy magazines in their lockers, you know, like. People are still talking about sex at work. So dumb. Like, why would you ever do that as a senior manager? Right. Or it could just be your boss. I mean, your boss yeah. could be 28 years old. That's true. It's so <laughs> dumb. I mean, it's just unbelievable that somebody could be in management and not have gotten the literal memo. I have to say, though, you know, I'm looking back on it. My first job when I was uh, out of college, one of my first jobs was putting in uh, computer networks for law firms and they specifically would take out the law firm IT teams and attorneys to scores in New York the strip club yeah that was considered how you rewarded your legal the scores. legal I'm in from New York so that makes me laugh I remember the scores scores yeah, yeah. So go, to scores. go to scores scores yeah scores. the West Side yeah. Highway somewhere and we would take the legal department the, the the law firm's IT department plus attorneys who were responsible for this two scores were they all dudes no sometimes women yeah I went as a woman to scores yeah. with my guy colleagues in finance yeah. so now going to scores uh, would just be a dumb thing to do in today's context Right. I think yeah. in the 90s, they started saying you can't submit reimbursements <laughs> from strip, strip clubs. clubs. Yeah. Go ahead and not do that. Uh, and what stopped you from reporting it? Let's talk about this slide for a second. Women don't want to be looked at as troublemakers, huh? 
I mean, think about having to report this and then it becoming a he said, she said thing. Mm -hmm. And then you, everyone's walking on ice around you. Just, just imagine from the perspective of, you know, the victim. Yeah. Wouldn't it be so much easier to just let it go under the table, Mm. forget about it. Yeah. So it's not surprising to me that it's not reported. Right. What upside is there for you personally? Yeah, there is none. I mean, you would... To make a more just world is like, okay, I'm going to sacrifice my career. uh, My reputation. My reputation, future employment, taking care of my family, paying bills, livelihood. Let's look at Ellen Powell for a moment. Yeah. Now we can't say her name without thinking about that one thing that happened to her, despite her career, which has encompassed so many other things. Yeah. And yeah, it is... Now her, def- I mean, yeah, her obituary will be you Ellen Pow, for- who <laughs> yeah. you know had a sexual. You can't unforget the pink elephant. No, you it say is it, what it's it is. The, yeah, yeah. Um, but she deserves super credit. I mean, she was clearly that was such a complicated case. I want to have her on the program, but I, it, it's such a complicated case. I think maybe they've agreed to not talk about it. Yeah, I'm sure part of because she legal dated settlement. at work. She was dating somebody. Yep. Then that person harassed her, so it's like I, I can't even get my head around it and she lost the lawsuit so it's like it makes it you know it's like the whole concept of there's no uh perfect victims you know like i I couldn't even understand that case let's look at this one uh this i think this is pretty interesting too it seemed like what would be your interpretation of this data at what age do you feel you experience the most harassment at work so it feels like young people feel like they were harassed 40, 50% of the time when they were younger, 30 and under. And then as they got older, they were less harassed. What's your, do you have any insight into this one? I could think of a couple of theories, but I, I think it'd be better to hear from you. Well, if you think that 50% of the perpetrators are your colleagues, and let's say they're, that means that they're in a um, lateral position of power to you, uh-huh. then maybe this is something that's happening predominantly amongst peers in a dating kind of context or like young men and women talking about sex or bodies or something related to wow that's a nice suit jacket or wow your hair looks good today right and maybe you're more likely to be single and so this involves some of this gray area flirtation slash dating but you know looking at these ages it resonates with me I mean, I'm becoming, I guess, more biologically irrelevant <laughs> as I, or maybe, you know, you, or you, maybe I got married, and so it's just fairly clear I'm off the market, right? I have kids, so right. why sexually harass That's, her? Or people who get older. My theory was people get older and wiser, get theoretically wiser, or a cynical way to look at it would be the cost of they realize the cost of doing something stupid is like, higher. Is higher, like. Come on, I'm 45 years old, I'm or I'm 50 years old, or I'm 35 years old. Like, I'm really going to hit on somebody at work and have to go into HR and lose my career, and I got kids in school. Like, right. what? This is just dumb. Whereas when you're 25, you're just like, yeah, what are we going to do tonight? Wow, you, you look, that's a that's a cool dress, you know. Like, I mean, I just saw that Monica Lewinsky decided to uh, be part of some sort of docu-series on what happened to her and yeah. it made what you just said about the age difference made me think okay so she was one of these people in the 18 to 24 category right? yeah with the dopey 45 year old or above <laughs> who just didn't understand like what a ridiculous power dynamic it is i mean when you if you're going to put the percentage blame there it's 95 5 like right. you have a very i mean she was very young 21 or something. intern so you must must have been 21 or something crazy okay let's do a quick break and when we come back i want to see more of your product and sure. then i want to know how you make money yeah because you got all this data you got all these rankings and i know people at the big companies where we have a lot of senior female leadership these days people want to get things right so how does your tool uh fairy god boss help companies get it right when we get back on this week in startups are you hiring Well, if you're listening to this podcast, This Week in Startups, I'm going to guess you have a startup. And if you have a startup, you're hiring. But you know, posting to job sites results in you waiting and waiting for the right people to see it. Well, you want to use ZipRecruiter, which is a platform that finds the right job candidate for you. It learns what you're looking for. It identifies people with the right experience. And it invites them to apply for your job. These invitations have revolutionized how you will find your next hire. 
80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate, wait for it, in just one day. How does that sound, huh? 80% of you right now who are listening, you could have that amazing quality candidate in just a day. And ZipRecruiter even spotlights the strongest applications you receive, so you never miss a great match when you're sorting through all that incredible talent. The right candidates are out there, and ZipRecruiter is how you find them. So here is your call to action. I want you to go to ZipRecruiter.com twist. That's ZipRecruiter.com twist. It is the smartest way to hire. Go ahead and go to ZipRecruiter.com twist and get started finding the strongest candidates that'll be the game changers for your business. You want to sleep well at night? You want your business to grow? You got to use ZipRecruiter.com twist and get those great candidates coming in for job interviews ASAP. You need them yesterday. So get to work. And ZipRecruiter is going to be your partner in this. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash twist. Okay, let's get back to this amazing episode. Welcome back to This Week in Startups, a very important episode where we're talking about women in the workplace and creating equality, fairness, and just a lack of brain-dead harassment that is still going on. It is brutal. Um, FairyGodBoss.com, check it out. It's been around for about three years. And... Um, Georgine, we're looking at your survey, and you're, I guess you're going to do this every year. Yeah. You like the data, huh? You're into the data. I think it brings a level of analytic rigor to the, all these conversations that are happening in the, no. in the nation, right? Yeah. This uh, slide, number 13 here, do you think the Me Too movement has made an impact at your workplace? I would think, when I looked at this chart, it's 70-30. I would immediately think... The yeah. answer is yes. Yes, 70%. <laughs> It's the opposite. Yeah. It seems to me, anecdotally, in here in Silicon Valley, in tech, and having been an investor in Uber, which had the uh, you know huge issue mm. of a boss uh, in an IT department, in an open marriage, harassing a developer, it's just like in Slack or whatever, in their in chat Slack, rooms, it's just like, <laughs> really, I mean... Like this polyamory thing in Silicon Valley is, is, is like literally. I read about it in Brotopia. I thought it was fascinating. It's just so ridiculous. It's like, you're, you're just not married. You're dating. It's like, can we just call it what it is? Like you came up with a fun word for it. Polyamory. polyamory. But like polyamory does not mean you get to harass people who work for you. Like, but why is, why do you think this is like, don't, I thought companies were rapidly trying to change things. Women feel they're not, it's, it hasn't made a difference. So, because you work with the companies, right? Yes, we work with companies, and we're we have three million women on the site a month. So, we also I think of us as deeply working with women as well. Yeah, we just don't make money from the women per right. se. We don't charge them anything. Right. Um, companies, when surveyed, uh, the Society of Human Resource Management says that most companies or most managers think that they've done a pretty good job addressing me too. Mm. And I think the discrepancy between employees' perceptions and employers' perceptions come down to. Some of it is just internal comms. It's really boring stuff. Like if you implemented sexual harassment training and made it mandatory now, does that make an individual female employee feel like your company's done a lot? I mean, yeah, no, exactly. Right. No, so everybody laughs during that training because it's so like if you're got half a brain they're like, is it OK to ask somebody on a date three times? You're just like, no, it's obvious. Right. So. A company may have responded by implementing some training, huh. and it may be sexual harassment training, it may be some bias training, but is that going to make a woman who feels like she's of experiencing sexual harassment that the company's really done anything material? Yeah. Probably not. So I what think there's- does make women feel that something material has been done? Because we, I've read about the arbitration clauses yeah. being super significant. Explain to everybody why arbitration or forced arbitration is a bad thing. So let's talk about when that happened. So that yeah. walkout that right. was in the news with Google, after that, eBay, Facebook, Google, probably a couple of other big tech companies in the Valley decided to end this forced, this forced arbitration clause. Right. But look how much after Me Too that was. So, right. I, I mean, well, why is it important? probably Explain nobody people... even understands what it means yeah, <laughs> if you're exactly. the typical I'm... female employee. Yeah, can we can we go into that? What, what does it mean, forced arbitration? Why is forced arbitration? Because some people might elect to do arbitration because it's done privately, privately, quietly. not Ellen Powell. My God, it's so brave to go to court. 
and like we just said, like our whole career is defined now by that moment in time because it was so high profile. All right. Look, uh, look, I'm not a lawyer, but I. I think that when you're a victim of something, you don't want to have only one choice to solve a problem. And those clauses are typically seen as protective of the company and the Mm -hmm. employer because it gets to keep everything hush-hush. Right. And so there's no admission of blame. Arbitration is like Mm. this gentle, okay, we agree to disagree. Yeah, we admit no checks. fault. Yeah, cut some checks that are meaningless. And therefore the check sizes are probably smaller. Ah, so that's my guess, right? Why yeah. would you do it in addition to the quietness of it? Yeah. So, make it, the the problem with the arbitration clauses is that they're forced. It takes the leverage out of the woman's hands, right, or the victim's hands, because right. if you can't threaten something public, then by definition, I think your leverage for negotiation goes way down. Yeah. Yeah. Create better, clearer policies that protect victims. That was something women said here in your survey. People could do. Um, create better for clear policies that address perpetrators. That's definitely something that has to happen. It seems like these companies are covering up a whole bunch, huh? This zero tolerance policy, if a company goes from being silent on the issue to saying, we have a zero tolerance policy about sexual harassment, that's another example of, does that really make the women at the company feel like the company's done anything different? Right. Or just like level setting to where it should have been in the first place. Yeah. Create so, anonymous helpline. That's clearly a good idea in women's minds. Right. Because uh, so much of the issue with bringing it up in the first place is having your name stuck to it, right? As opposed yeah. to that bad person's name being stuck to it. But of course, that's tricky because you don't want people to just feel like they're having... I mean, I put myself in the, you know, you have to have empathy for people. Look at the Kavanaugh hearings. Like, I'm opening up a can of worms here. But you put a, you know. That was brutal. You put a um, harasser's name out there without any, without a requisite amount of whatever you want to call evidence. An anonymous hotline can lead to kinds of things. But you can also address a hotline and by investigating things, right? You don't have to let anybody know. That was the key issue, right? With the Kavanaugh thing is like. Okay, we don't know exactly what happened. One person seems credible, the other person doesn't. I guess people can debate that, but it seemed pretty clear to me who was credible in that situation and who wasn't. Uh, but even still, the, the lack of investigation and time. It's just a public like, circus trial. Right? Yeah, and it just seems so insulting to women to be like, no, nope, we're just going to rush this through and no investigation or just like the m- most cursory of investigations. It's heartbreaking as a woman to see that. Yeah, and, and I really don't know what companies do in terms of their process for investigations. I mean, I, I truly don't. It's yeah. not something that I don't think a lot of companies want to talk about. And I think actually that's part of, that's probably a big reason why so many women feel their companies aren't doing anything, even if the companies think that they are. Because are they going to make a big announcement about it? Here, we're doing A, B, and C now. No CEO wants to stand up and say that, really. Although yeah. maybe they should. Maybe it's not so terrible to proactively address something that typically is so taboo. Maybe that's the yeah. way to deal with taboo stuff in this I, day and age. I think Benioff tackled it head on with his survey like i think that was proactive when he did a survey about pay equality yeah that that to me seems like something that is the easiest win totally like how is that i think they spent nine million dollars and in the scheme of things yeah it's nothing and think about the press and the cultural benefit of that to their employee base yeah it's got to be brutal to just like come to work and then like everybody builds a spreadsheet and this gonna okay this is a spreadsheet and we talked about that issue before about how many years experience and the people with 15 years experience are gonna argue they should be compensated and the people right. who stayed at the company for 15 years are gonna argue I should get more because I've been here longer and I've been more loyal yeah. and I've got more experience okay so we put that aside I mean when I think Google when women at Google started putting their spreadsheet in they were just seeing differences that didn't just made no sense and that was during the era where it was legal which was just a couple of years ago, to ask and make pay offers. Based on history. Based on history. Right. That's well, changed. So you sales, can't ask that now, right? Salesforce is a customer of ours. In certain places, you can't. I think it's state by state. So in New York, you mm. can't anymore. I think in California, you um, can't. Yeah. In California, you can't. That yeah. doesn't surprise me. Um, yeah. So Cindy Robbins, who's the chief people officer at Salesforce, which is a customer of ours, has said that when they did that compensation audit, they started paying men, some men more. A compensation audit is a compensation audit. It's sure. not necessarily going to only benefit one group of people relative to another. Same thing happened at SAP, North America. Yeah. I mean, it could be 
Asians or Indians are getting paid less than Caucasians. It's just sort of like a health check that the company is doing something right. And you can imagine there's individual negotiations that happen between hiring managers and employees. And over time, things get out of whack. Yeah. Let's get back to you and your company. Uh, Speaking of female CEOs, uh, how does your company make money? How does Ferry Godboss make money? So companies who partner with us list their jobs on our site and access the community of women we have. Mm. So we have millions of career-minded women thinking about jobs, planning their careers, trying to understand what other women do and how they do it, how they rise to the Mm. ranks successfully. And we understand how to get these women to consider employers that are different than their own Ah. when they're job-seeking and also when they're not job-seeking. So we're a recruiting business model. Today, it's quite similar to Glassdoor. You get a profile, you get to list all your thousands of jobs on our site. And we we focused on the Fortune 1000 companies because they've already spent millions of dollars on gender diversity initiatives. Gotcha. So you're a tool for them to kind of play catch up and fix those ratios. Yeah, we give them data too. We don't charge for it today, but we help them understand, you know, why are your ratings not the best? Why Mm. are you not in the top 10? And how do you rank? compared to a competitor, a named so competitor. So they just pay a subscription fee every month, a couple thousand dollars or something? Uh, it's about, it's going to be $34,000 next year. Got it. So three grand a month. Yeah. They can, if they land one hire a year for a senior position, it's well worth it. Yeah. That's all and they're going to do. And we really target women who are like 25 to 45 in our community. Perfect. So they're not in campus recruiting. They're not at executive headhunter level yet. No, but they're super... Aware and picky now. Pickier than they were when they were 22 about their careers. <laughs> And I would think those are like, when you get to 30 to 45, I think those are like, like the NBA. Those are your best, like, performing years, perhaps. And they're also 50, major attrition years. Ah. Right? That's when Glass so many. Glass ceiling gets hit. Yeah. P- p- political relationships become more important in terms of rising mm. through the ranks. You also start building families. You start having other pressures in your life. Right. Um, so a lot so of things So you can shake happen. somebody loose at 30 or 35 to come to your company. Yeah. Fascinating. So, um, how does the how do you keep the advice honest? Uh, how do you vet that the person actually worked at the company? I've always had this question for like Glassdoor, and I, I never really had clarity on how they know because the person's they not. They don't. They don't. No, nobody knows. You can take out an email address. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to have. We're not going to require that you have an at dell.com email address. Well, if you're fired, you, could, you can't anymore, right? So. Right. That's sort of. <laughs> so you can't really, but yeah. we have a human moderator yeah. and that reviews every review. At some point, we'll have more technology staff and have some filter. That's yeah, check some IP addresses here and yeah. make sure you don't have like 50 great reviews coming in the same day. And there's patterns of suspicious reviews. Yeah. But honestly, we don't find that to be the real issue, cool. the veracity of the reviews. And the, the more data you have, that sort of shakes out the, this sort yeah. of errant, you know. It's it's a rounding error. I don't think it's a real problem on review Got sites, it. to be honest. Uh, work-life balance. Talk about that for a second. W- what are companies doing? Because we, we do seem to have a generational shift. We're from the Gen X millennial generation. This new generation and probably the tail end of millennials, very driven by maybe experiences and less about careers. Is that yeah. directionally correct, do you think? Do you so see that in my, your data? So my main observation about that actually comes from being a founder of a 30-person startup myself, which employs mostly people younger than myself right. in that generation. And I would say that I think before I had kids, I never really thought about work-life balance. And this whole term self-care was just not in my vocabulary. Self-care. <laughs> I actually asked one of my early employees, what does self-care mean to you? And she gave me a definition. And I thought, okay, that's very interesting because I just don't have that mindset. You know? What was the definition? Broad strokes? Well, she said people make fun of it and think it's just about bubble baths. But, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but it's about being aware of your mental health. That's a big thing. Mental yeah. health and stress. Right. And I have some appreciate. I have a deeper appreciation for it now than I did before. But it's hard for me. I mean, I'm a working mom. Like, I'm, I, like I have a five five to nine job, right? Or right. it's not nine to five, certainly. Yeah. It's even longer than that some days. And I have three young kids All at home. you do is work. Let's be, let's yeah, be like, All I do is just one kind of work versus another kind of work. There you is work no me. And in you this. sleep. There is no act. You don't have a hobby. You don't have 
me time. There is no time for that when you have three kids and a CEO of a startup. Right. So I, I view my me position. time as my company, right? Like that's, I'm doing that for myself. And we have a social mission. I agree with that. But, you know, so our social mission appeals to these younger people. And it's actually right. made us really attractive as an employer. Yeah, for um, sure. Maybe mission, more yeah. to women than men, but we do have some men employees, very important men employees. Yeah. We went from five to 30 people this year. And I think one of the reasons we had such an easy time recruiting was this feeling that they were doing something more than work. Mm. And so I think self-care and and being part of something bigger than themselves and a mission is is a really important part of what it means for a Gen Z employee to pick where they're going to work and what they're going to do. Yeah. They definitely seem to. The self-care thing is hilarious. I mean, if you want self-care, like, get off of Snapchat like this, and Instagram and stop, like, trying to post pictures of yourselves in outfits and, like, living, like, some fake life. Like, they're creating – they don't even realize they're creating their own anxiety condition by being obsessed with their smartphones. There's a direct correlation between smartphone and social media usage yeah. and anxiety and depression. Yeah, maybe that's where it comes from. Oh, no, it's clear now. The studies are showing. And what they don't know is the correlation. So is the correlation that they're not doing something and social media has replaced right. something that made you healthier, i.e. team sports, going to dinner with friends, looking people in the eye and having a conversation, and having right. actual empathy with them? Or is it that looking at pictures of other people and being on this little tiny device and seeing other people live incredible, extraordinary lives on private jets and Coachella and Machu Picchu is making you feel like your life sucks? Yeah. Well, you know, this need for community is something that we're seeing manifest itself on our own site. So we have yeah. this Fairy God Boss feed, it just launched, and women talk about their experiences on the site. And it's oh, not, it's sometimes, so they can toggle between anonymity and their real name. Ah. And so... Oh, that's pretty great. And so the, the, the reason why, like, we aspire to be a place where career-minded women go habitually, mm. so weekly or daily. And... The way I think about it is that there's this hunger for identity that blurs the lines between work and your personal life. Right. On LinkedIn, your resume is next to your face. Yep. You can be the best version of yourself there. You should be the best version of yourself yeah. there. But you can't really be authentic and you can't be vulnerable. You can't ask real questions. You can't talk about how you see the trade-offs in your life and mm. your career. This woman today, I was responding to her because um, I'm obsessed with this feed right now. It's a really new thing. And she laid out this whole story about how she has for 13 years her and her husband have balanced this dual ambition career thing mm. and they just can't take it anymore. So he's decided to stay home. And, you know, it's, it was an, about an, it, this conversation started happened around an article about why women leave STEM careers. Uh. And I just thought that was, it was so lovely that she shared this. She was, she posted anonymously. Mm. And so we've been watching and it's not surprising that she posted anonymously. It's deeply sure. personal what she just explained. Yeah. And she was trying to do sort of like this realistic warning to women out there. Like, don't forget that you could try really hard and it still may not work. And it may mm. not have anything to do with anything but the social dynamic. Uh, you have to do so much at home. Someone mm. has to do it. It's pretty intense. My wife and I have this conversation often because she wanted uh, to be a mom. And I had this like pretty crazy career takeoff. And now we've been talking about it saying like, well, what makes sense now? And I've started working from home in the mornings and one day a week. And I try to get home by six and relieve her. And we're trying to balance it out more. Yeah. Because it's kind of like, well, these girls, the three daughters we have, they're only going to be young once, so I need to have breakfast with them and put them to bed and spend more time with them. And so I'm making sacrifices at work and staffing up my company so that I have that time during these critical years. And that has given her the time to pursue her art a little bit more, you know. And mm -hmm. I think that's that feed is a really smart idea because then, if, especially if you feature some of those discussions yeah. and you have the feed, what do you call it? Just the, the Fairy God Boss feed. The Fairy God Boss feed. I mean, one yeah. day I, I think... I'd love for it to be the place you turn to. You know, like my best friend growing, growing up in life ended up being a housewife. And so she works from home. She's very busy. I don't discount the work that women do at home. Right. But she's not paid for it. And I think I can't talk to her about my job and get career advice. Where's my posse of people yeah. I can turn to for like real career support? And that's, I think, the kind of, that's the need that drives people to our site, to just get career support from people who are in similar positions. Maybe they're the only woman on our, their team. Hmm. Maybe they're just trying to figure out how to deal with negotiating, right? Yeah. Because they feel like it's a challenge. Maybe someone here has done it, in this community has done it 
before. Yeah. Um, a very popular thing in our community are these day in the life ofs that oh. feature women who are pretty senior in their careers and also mothers, and they talk about the kind of thing you just told us, right? Yeah. You share this thing about yourself and your yeah. flexibility. And I think in the past, people didn't talk about it. No, it, it was also like, I I was, I grew up in the men, you just like put your head down and work and don't complain. That's like when I hear self-care, I'm kind of like you. I'm like, really? Self-care? Come on. Like, but I get it. Like I meditate, so that's self-care. Yeah. And you work out, that's self-care. And Sometimes I take a day off from work and take my daughter to the movies on a Wednesday. That's self-care too. Personal yes. day, self-care. So yes. I think in the millennials, like there's lessons in everything, but some of it's just ridiculous. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just have to say it. Like sometimes I just see people like really just a little too much self-care and not enough hard work. <laughs> the, well, you have a cup is, that says do the work. So yeah. I do have a cup that says do the work. It is super critical, but it's a pretty easy way to value. You know, you said before, like, how do you value a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home spouse? Right. I find it pretty simple. You just take the two spouses' income, you put it together, and you divide it by two. That's how I look at my relationship with my wife. Right. I mean, just we're a team, so whatever compensation we have, divided by two, that's the contribution. That's and great. how good our kids come out, divided by two. That's great. I'm not sure everyone looks at it like that, but that's great. It's the, it's the only way to look at it, because... I might be, you know, the majority of the revenue coming in, and she's the majority of the time with the kids. Yeah. You divide it by two, it all works out in the end. Right. If you have a growing business, you need PayPal. Why? Because they are your payments partner for today and tomorrow. They are a trusted payments partner, and they process over 25 million payments a day. And you can have fast access to business loans to help you manage your cash flow and growth. And that is a huge benefit for business owners. Let's just scale, expand your business to more channels and sell to over 250 million shoppers across markets and platforms. And you can convert. PayPal is the most used digital wallet. And on average, shoppers complete checkout 88% of the time when using PayPal. It's obvious. If you use PayPal, you understand this. And they will protect you. They offer seller protection, which is readily available, customer support enabled, and fraud tools that will get smarter with each transaction. You need these tools. You need the seller protection. You're going to need that customer support. And of course, having the fraud tools helps. We use PayPal Business to accept payments online here at This Week in Startups. You can see that in our shop. And it was so easy to make. If you look at that little video demo that's playing right now, you can see how easy it is to get that PayPal button visible on your website and that creates confidence with your audience it makes them say hey i can trust this website i can trust this brand so if you want to grow you need paypal and you can just visit paypal.com slash growth paypal.com slash growth g-r-o-w-t-h to set up a business account today it's free go get that business account paypal.com slash growth we use it we love it it's awesome okay let's get back to this amazing episode Listen, I wish you uh, continued success in your very important work at Fairy God Boss. It's been a great episode. I really appreciate you being candid about everything. Uh, guys at work, because this is really a guy issue. It's not a, a girl issue. It's not a woman issue. It's guys. 99.9% of the time. Idiots. Don't date at work. Don't hit on people at work. There's this thing called Tinder. It's <laughs> never been easier to meet a person to go on a date they might be right around the corner from your office, too. Oh, my God. It's just so dumb when you look at the harassment. I think it's like a small cohort of, like, serial offenders, right? Like, but the fact that people uh, know, I know every award-winning producer Jack is like, dating at work is not the issue. I am telling guys that dating at work is the issue. <laughs> I'm telling them. It's not worth the risk. Don't date at work because it just opens up that gray zone of verbal right we saw the verbal was off the charts as a type of harassment right now you've put yourself in a position where you're having to have s the definition of harassment jackie like we've been talking about it's like it's it's in the eye of the person being harassed so a lot of these guys don't understand they're harassing in a lot of cases when they ask somebody for the seventh time to go on a date with them or for the 20th time that they look great in a dress or something or their hair is super cute. Like, this is not to be done. I don't know. What's your take on it? Would you, If you could just, 
wave a magic wand and tell guys don't date at work or that could be the rule would you wave that wand so i I would. I would never put it like that. I don't know quite why. When you were talking about this, I was imagining just around here, I'm thinking about these Soma lofts, these guys who don't get out much, who mm-hmm. are sitting behind their computers, yeah. software engineers. I think that's really hard. There's a woman near you. She talks to you. She's nice. She smells nice. She looks nice. You're yeah. really going to say, I mean, yeah, they could go on Tinder, but she's right there. I know. I mean, and, this and, is and, what... it's, you know, and if she yeah. happens to like like you back, why shouldn't you date? I, I mean, I wish it were clearer, I think we take- but you just have to have some social intelligence. Yeah, that's the thing that's missing, I think, is all these guys are, because they're on their computers playing video games and Fortnite, they don't interact, they don't know how to talk to a woman, like to look them in the eyes and say, hey, listen, I, I think you're like really interesting. I'd love to have a cup of coffee. This is like, I counsel guys on how to ask a girl out. Cause, you do? Like guy friends or whatever, they don't know how to interact. And I'm like... Tell the person you think they're super interesting and you'd love to have a cup of coffee with them. And they're like, what about a drink? I'm like, no, no. Did, I said a cup of coffee. It lowers right. the like expectation level that you're going to get drunk or right. that you're going to go out at night. Just, hey, I'd love to get a cup of coffee and get to know you. If you just say it just like that, I think your chances of actually getting the cup of coffee and getting to know the person will go up And I think what you actually your choice of wording was really important because I just saw a friend earlier this week and she works at a tech company here, yeah. I will not name. And she says that what she didn't like at first about the culture, which she described as very bro was that people would put coffee appointments on her calendar. And she didn't know whether there were coffee appointments related to work yeah. or related to wanting to date her. And so if he had said, the person who put the coffee calendar date on her calendar yeah. at work had said, I'd love to get to know you. I feel like that sounds pretty personal yes. as opposed to, I'd love to talk about this project or, yeah. you know, understand. But it's not so personal that it's Saturday night and we're right. going to omokase dinner at a romantic place or so, you know, right, like you're, right. you're lowering. And then there was like the guys who are investors, it's like one of these investor guys I know, like he, he got written up in New York oh, for, yeah. um, and I think he's a nice guy. He was on the podcast, but he kept meeting women who were pitching him and then two weeks later asking them to dinner and the women didn't, know whether it was for work or not yeah and i think most women would have counseled other women if it's a dinner at night on the weekend it's it's probably interested in you but if you're trying to raise money you you don't have the luxury of saying like well i'm going to not go to that dinner yeah now that i think about it i think i've been invited to dinners for related to fundraising but i have a female co-founder so she was with me so that makes it less date-like by it's definition completely, <laughs> it's completely inappropriate a dinner this is where I think I was kind of shocked by like the behavior hasn't changed or whatever, because I see uh, in Silicon Valley, men are terrified and really? they are like, I, I don't want to even meet alone with women. This whole like uh, the vice president Pence, like won't meet a, without, oh, a woman right. without another, right. his, without his mom there, who's, right. whose mama is his wife. It's really weird calls his wife mommy or mom really mama yeah and he can't go to a dinner without her with another woman so it's a little weird or lunch or something um but uh yeah it seems to me people are really concerned about the issue here and like changing their behavior Hmm. but dinner is also when you have kids like who has the time to go to dinner dinner. who wants to eat dinner (laughs) yeah so like it should be a clue like if some guy wants to go to dinner that's weird. Like, no dinners. Like, guys, don't invite. I mean, you're right that it's certainly easier to just draw these bright lines in terms of behavior, right? I, that's what I think guys are so dumb. This is really what I think. Guys are so dumb, so impulsive, it has to be super clear for them. It has to be made super clear for them. And I think Facebook, the one day, ask somebody one time, even though it sounds comically stupid. It's very clear. It's super clear yeah. for a guy to be like, I asked her out once. The woman feels harangued. She could go tell HR, and HR's like, yep, one rule. You're not going to have to deal with that again. And yeah. case closed. Yeah. And if he does ask you again, he no, broke the one merit. rule. It has merit. And now you're out. I like that one a lot. No ambiguity. Uh, all right, listen. Nobody feels sorry for men. Thank you. Yes, like Kara Swisher says. Boo hoo. Yeah, I, that's right. I'm just reading what you typed. Everyone, running producer Jack. Uh, listen, if you're no, it came from me, not from you. Yeah, 
boohoo for men who have gotten paid twice as much as women forever. Uh, if you are running a company, go spend $34,000 on Fairy Godwash right now. If you're in the Fortune 1000, do it. Then you'll have $32 million a year in revenue. Be highly profitable. It's a no-brainer. How could it... I mean, have you had a company say no? What we, have about a, we have about 100 customers right now. So we're doing pretty well on how many the revenue front. How many in-person meetings or meetings did you have? Because I can't imagine a company that's in the Fortune 1000 saying no to a service that will easily get them one more female employee at this affordable rate. So we don't have a... I, I don't think... Like sales is never easy. There's all, yeah. I mean, on the one hand, yes, right? Yeah. We launch at a good moment. Um, the cost is not so high relative to what we're doing in terms of mm. what it shows in terms of their brand and their concern for this issue. Um, I think when you're a new company, you always have this uphill battle of, well, are you legit? Who uh. else is with you? Like, you know, we have this funny name that users love, but sometimes employers are like, is this real? Fairy oh, God boss? <laughs> yeah. You I mean, I don't think, think anyone, I don't think anyone seriously doesn't buy with us because of that. Cause like we have bank of America, JP Morgan and like all these conservative large companies with us. Um, I would Apple. call Yeah. I'm trying but, to think know, of who is the legendary female protagonist, Athena. Yeah. I mean, look, our name sort of connotes positivity. It's about anybody who elevates another woman in the workplace because by sharing your story and your advice and mm. your job review, you're essentially helping to accomplish our social mission, which is to create this transparency, mm. then improves the workplace for women, right? Mm. I think when you get but to the point- it's a little bit playful. Yeah, it's definitely playful because you know what? Gender equality is pretty heavy, serious, and uh -huh. it can be a turnoff for some people, right? Yeah. Like, I guess so, yeah. I'm trying to think if Glassdoor maybe was considered too playful. You at think? the beginning, mm, I don't know. It's evocative. Godbot, fairy. The fairy part is the one that is the triggering part. Fairy Godboss. Yeah. Maybe what you do is call the internal platform the enterprise solution, like Athena. So the enterprise solution is Athena. So the invoice <laughs> can say Athena or, um, you know, uh, Joan or Joan of Arc, like uh, somebody who, you know. Right, right. No, I mean I, that's not a real reason, people. I think, I think when you get we get to the size where we are a place that you have to be if you want to mm. reach career-minded women, yeah. then you sort of take the whole. That's you take all the what companies. happened with LinkedIn and I think Glassdoor. I mean, I think some people object to Glassdoor's yeah. approach, so they will not pay them based on that. Um, but. It's pretty hard to not to ignore Glassdoor. It's impossible to ignore LinkedIn. There's definitely peer pressure in a industry category. When we find when we sell to one company in a category, yeah. the others come. All right, amazing episode. Go to fairygodboss.com/slash. Yeah, just go to fairygodboss.com. You'll see everything there. Uh, all right, we'll see you all Thanks, next Jason. time. Thanks, Emmy. Thank you. Thank you, Emmy. Award-winning producer Jackie, and we'll see you all next time. Bye bye. Mm -hmm.